pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. A problem with your heating system? Call R.E. Coogan Heating today, 401 732 6562. 24 hour emergency service, gas boiler, oil burner, Coogan Heating, 401 732 6562. They're helpful, trustworthy, reliable. Explore their services. Look for them on Facebook and the website is recooganheating.com. Residential services, as Coogie says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Plumbing, heating, and cooling from winter to summer. Trained technicians provide 100% service, one customer at a time. From service calls, maintenance agreements, installation, RE Coogan Heating. Proud to help residential customers, and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority. Call them today. Now it's cold. It's going to remain cold. Call Coogan Heating today, 401 732-6562. It's Coogie. It's 24-hour emergency service. Hey, not long ago, our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. Look for them on Facebook, and then the website is recooganheating.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It's Friday. It is January 28th, and as you just heard in the forecast, um, you know, the big news is obviously this uh, would seemingly be the large snowstorm, actually blizzard warning, <laughs> headed our way, as if the month of January could not be any worse. Now, um, obviously, folks, you know, there's, there's plenty of notice and there's time that people can make the proper adjustments that they need to make. It's going to be a Saturday, so hopefully uh, people will just stay at home or wherever they may be, remain off the roads, allow the crews to then uh, clean the roads, and hopefully uh, by Sunday, although it's going to be heavy winds, uh, that things will, will start to um, make it passable and that on Monday that people can uh, start to get back to life as normal. However... I think that to me, the real test here, the real problem, the biggest thing that I worry about, folks, is our, our infrastructure. Now, it's one thing to have a blizzard and people. I do remember the blizzard of 78. I was living in Rhode Island. I, I was attending St. Paul School. I remember the blizzard of 78. We didn't have school for two weeks. Um, something that is a concern is losing power. That's a problem. Losing power uh and it could be over a period of time let, let let's also look at the landscape you know I, i'm not sure how our health systems are already stretched um governor mckee took issue yesterday with my my questions about the condition of our hospitals uh landmark medical center rhode island hospital kent hospital but the hospitals are the hospitals and so i think that makes it even more difficult with the onset of what seemingly is blizzard warning that <laughs> that is in effect and as i said as if things could not get any worse now i want to just follow up also so my point is with all the money that governor mckee uh you know the state of rhode island has gotten something that i have not heard anything on but as many of you know and it's a big problem with our power lines uh rhode, rhode island is losing power i think a big a, they're not going to do it but a, a very important infrastructure element to the state would be, you know, there are certain parts of the state where they could put the power lines underground. Uh, so then they, they're not as affected as much when we have these storms with high wind. Again, I, don't, I haven't heard anything about that. Um, things are difficult right now as they are, let alone if, in fact, the state starts. We have a massive blizzard, and suddenly we're losing power. All right, I want to go to the let's flashback. Yesterday, I uh, did attend the Governor McKee briefing. I'm glad I went, and I got a chance to really get in depth, try to get an answer from Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee, former Mayor of Cumberland, former Lieutenant Governor, regarding this whole 46000 a month that Dr. Scott is gonna, uh, going to uh, receive. And so let's hear. This was um, yesterday as I was asking Governor McKay. Governor, could you clean up exactly 
Uh, it's our understanding Dr. Scott comes to you and says, I want to resign. You say to her, I want you to stay. She says, no, two-week notice, and then I'll have my attorneys contact your attorneys to negotiate. When a director resigns, where is the negotiation? Because she ultimately, in doing that, resigned her position as director of the state. Now, she's entitled to the money for February. Right. But how does it go from, she told Channel 12 that you offered her the money. That's right. How, How does this square where there's a negotiation if she resigned? Good question. Well, the sequence was similar to what you just said. Okay. Uh, the, the, the doctor said she had a window of opportunity. opportunity yeah. One meeting, I asked her to stay. Each time it, it accelerated, there was a window of opportunity. When I have people that I work with that tell me they have a window of opportunity, we want to make sure that that happens and that the transition. In I the middle of a pandemic. Transition, right? So yep. that's what's happened. And then in terms of, I believe there's a value to have, uh, you know, have a, an outgoing director be uh, 46,000 a, a, a month where uh, that we can uh, uh, you know call on her if we need her and uh, and and there was certainly a, a negotiation in terms of what that value was we went through that negotiation I think uh, we settled in a, in a spot that uh, makes sense so for the state of Rhode Island did, and did she just a quick did she refuse to assist unless she was going to be compensated 46,000 good a question month? so I, I, I'm just going to be very clear again on it right the sequence happened. She wanted a hundred thousand a month. I, you know, laid out just now. Yes. Uh, and uh, and it was a process over several weeks. As I said, it was uh, a few weeks back. Back. And there was a compensation in there that I believe that uh, you know was you know was made sense and uh, we it was asked for and we responded by saying you know we'd like to have you on as a consultant and I did offer that to her to come on as a consultant and uh, and then we uh, we worked it out with the attorney so. I think that it is true that I said, you know, consultant might be, be good. We, we really want to make sure the people in the state are out of the state. But she's not available the month of February. She's still, she's available to us. She's on, you know, uh, she's taking some comp time, that's which, which is legal to do. Comp and time. Appropriate. And uh, <clears throat> we, we certainly will have access to her during this time frame. And Was it an issue of money? Would she have stayed? Did she say, listen, I think I'm worth more. If you pay me more, I'll stay? Is that what it was? Good no, question. I just, like I said, she felt as though she had a window of opportunity. Window That's of opportunity. My words was stay, but if not, you know, let us do a professional exit. Yeah. Now think of this, folks. And again, that was um, I was asking uh, Governor McKee yesterday. Um, so they negotiated down, right? You don't negotiate up. I mean, I think that's fair to say. So they had to negotiate her down. Um, I don't think she said I want thirty thousand a month, and they said. No, how about 46? I mean, I don't think that happened. So if they settled at 46000 a month to Dr. Nicole Alexander-Scott, I think a fair question is, where, where was she? What was she, what was the, the ask, right? I mean, we've, we've heard it as much as, I mean, and again, it, it, I, we've heard it was as much as she wanted 100000 a month for three months, so 300000 um and then somehow it went down to 60,000 a month right for 3 months 180,000 and then somehow they negotiated her down to 46,000 a month which is four times her salary um it, it, listen it none of it makes sense as far as they need her as a consultant well is isn't that what the the CDC does isn't that what you know we have these these um infectious disease specialists from Brown University what is it that, that that we needed her expertise with COVID to the tune of four times her salary? So what I also find interesting is, think about this. She was, Dr. Cole Alexander Scott was apparently making 12000 a month at the Rhode Island Department of Health. <clears throat> she says she wants to leave and and Governor, she said, she, you know, resigned, said, here's my two-week notice, right? Two-week notice. Um, and, and then Governor McKee said, well, we'd like you to stay. And she said, no, I'm leaving. So, so then it would, it would appear that Governor McKee was basically, if you stay, we'll pay you 12,000 a month. If you leave, we'll pay you 46,000 a month. So as much as he may not like that, in essence, we were paying her more money to leave. If you stay, you only get 12,000 a month. 
if you leave, we'll give you 46,000 a month for three months. I mean, that, I mean, there's, there's what, what part about that is wrong? There's nothing about that that is wrong. It tells me when she told Channel 12 that the governor offered her the money, then, I mean, that's, that changes the equation of him going through this window of opportunity at a time that our health system is basically collapsing. The Biden administration had to send in only New England state that they had to send in federal medical disaster relief. Um, and as far as the, the care, I mean, there was that woman at, at Kent Hospital that she she waited five hours and then finally gave up, went home, and she stitched herself. She put stitches into the side of her face. She got cut by something. So, you know, the governor then kind of bristled when I said that the care at Kent Hospital was basically bordering on third world. They're drawing blood from people out in their cars. <laughs> he didn't like that, but I don't know how else you would describe that. That I wouldn't call that certainly doesn't seem first-rate care by any means. Um, and this weekend with a blizzard could really be challenging within some of the emergency rooms. So I, I think the situation with the governor, it's, it's quickly moving. I think they welcome the blizzard that's about to hit because they feel it'll change the conversation. But, but the problems that still exist are not changing. All right, it's John DePietro. A lot more ahead uh, right here on the John DePietro Show. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable, Fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial, it's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original. Go with the best. It's Henry Oil listening to the john DePietro show folks it's am 1380 99.9 fm joining us right now is uh dr rob harrison and we've been having a series of conversations with dr rob and dr rob listen january can be a tough month let alone what's going on with the pandemic with the fact that covid is so strong um people can get a little bit of the winter blues and this is a time that you've also put forward that there are certain ways that people can look for some warning signs that someone could be really struggling. Yeah, it's, it's really important to, to reach out to people that you uh, notice maybe acting a little bit differently, maybe uh, who tend to be isolating themselves, not involved in anything. Um, those are um, could be, not all, necessarily all, but could be signs that somebody's really struggling uh, with uh, anxiety, or depression, or um, or just uh, the circumstances of all around them, um, and anyone can try to help with those those people by just saying, "Hey, what's going on? Let's talk." Um, but also being aware uh, that someone may be thinking of suicide, and I'll let you take it from there, John. Well, and folks, you know, you people hear a lot about the pandemic, but there's there happens to be an epidemic of men and men over the age of 50 that for whatever reason are unhappy with their life and or feel they're in a place they can't get out of and they they take their own life and the reason we have on dr rob is if you're listening right now and whether it's a man or it may be your husband or your son or a, a grandfather or an uncle or a co-worker there is a program that certainly can help people identify when specifically men are dealing with some desperate thoughts Yes, that's a program called Man Therapy. It's a the nice thing about it, it it's anonymous. Uh, a lot of men, because of the stigma, don't want to go to a therapist. They don't want to go even to their doctor sometimes. But they can go to this website. It's called mantherapy.org. Uh, that is, uh, first place, it's very humorous and really attracts a lot of uh, men. But it also has a ton of resources. It helps 
people to figure out what's really going on in their life. Um, there's a 20-point head inspection that would be very helpful for men to decide if they're just feeling stressed or if they really might be suffering from depression or, or serious anxiety. So mantherapy.org is a great resource. Uh, anybody can go to it. It's uh, just, and nobody knows that you're doing it. And there's some tremendous uh, shared testimonies of people on that website who've uh, gotten help and found that, uh, that that makes a huge difference in their life. Folks, and I, I want you to understand, I was speaking with Dr. Rob Harrison, that afterwards, when someone, uh, a man, takes his own life, afterwards, there's there's so much second-guessing that's unfairly that goes on with the family, with friends. We didn't know. We wish we had known. This is a way to be proactive. And also, Dr. Rob, you know, let's, let's recognize this is not the happiest subject. It's not the easiest subject. But someone listening right now, by doing that, and then also finding out more about signs to look for. People like to think that if, if someone were drowning, that they would be able to swim and pull them to shore. This is a way to do that and help the person identify and then hopefully get them on the path to getting them the help that they need. That's right, John. And um, there's, there are free trainings that anyone can take. Uh, I offer a 90-minute uh, training called uh, QPR, which stands for Question, Persuade, and Refer, uh, suicide prevention training that is for, open to any adult over the age of 17 uh, that will teach you the warning signs to look for and help you to learn how to ask the question directly and then persuade them to let you help them get some help, just as a friend or a neighbor or a coworker, not as a professional, but to me, we really need to have a wide safety net of our neighbors and friends and, and relatives and coworkers to uh, recognize that someone may be struggling and be able to help them. And folks, this is something we've been, you heard us uh, talking about during the course of the fall, and we're going to continue it because, Dr. Rob, you know, people shouldn't feel, number one, they're not alone. Number two, let's face it, these are very challenging times that we're dealing with. People need, if, if you break your ankle, you go to the doctor, get it fixed. If your car's not running right, you bring it to a mechanic. People should not, they have to get rid of the stigma that is attached to some form of depression or mental illness or just people that for some reason there's re things that are happening that they're having these suicidal thoughts but there are things they can do and mantherapy.org is is the a good way to start it is a great way to start it does have local resources listed on their website also so you can get help locally you can also go to healthybodieshealthyminds.org which has a lot of the uh, training uh schedules on it so you can get help there too and as dr rob knows i had a friend that was uh, just found himself in a desperate place the last in uh, june of 2021 he felt he had no options and he took his own life and this this holiday season was with thanksgiving and christmas his family had to go through it without him and everyone says the same thing they wish they had known they missed him they wish they had seen some of the warning signs folks this is your opportunity dr rob i want to thank you we've um we started this back in the fall we're going to continue to do it thank you for your vision dedication to this happy new year to you and we're going to do keep talking again thanks john i appreciate the opportunity and the best to you and to everyone listening propane plus for heating and cooling call propane plus today in massachusetts 508 252 3359 in rhode island propane plus number 401-885-4209 it's the johnson family it's propane plus the leading full service provider of propane to rhode island and southeastern mass not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries but they can service your entire heating cooling system and install any propane or natural gas appliances locations in east greenwich and also in rehoboth remember propane plus is energy for everyone it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and also now it's renewable online at propaneplus.com propane plus heating and cooling in massachusetts call the rehoboth office 508-252-3359 and in rhode island 401-885-4209 you can depend on propane plus you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 .9 FM. Well, the Supreme Court announced it would hear a case based around the use 
Racial Preferences, College Admissions, Harvard University in North Carolina. Now, the Pacific Legal Foundation senior attorney, Wen Fa, he wrote an amicus brief on these cases, and he joins us right now. Again, Wen, thank you for joining us on the program. What, what can you tell us about the fact that the Supreme Court is going to take this up? Well, the Supreme Court is going to take up this very important issue concerning uh, racial discrimination, racial preferences in college admissions. So 20 years ago, in a Supreme Court case called Grutter versus Bollinger, uh, the Supreme Court actually allowed for a limited use of racial preferences in college admissions. Uh, basically, the Equal Protection Clause and the Civil Rights Act prohibit racial discrimination, but the Supreme Court essentially carved out an exception in the context of higher education. We think that decision was wrongly decided. We think that just as racial discrimination has no place anywhere else, it also has no place in the context of college admissions. And these cases concerning discrimination at Harvard and University of North Carolina gives the Supreme Court the opportunity to revisit the, the earlier decision and to say that racial discrimination in college admissions is wrong. Again, folks, we're speaking with Wen Fa, Pacific Legal Foundation senior attorney. And Wen, if you don't mind, uh, we're very familiar, obviously, in this part of the country, the Northeast, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, with the with the Harvard case. And, and can you just touch on that uh, specifically a little bit more? Because it would seem that there was absolutely uh, biased involved here. Absolutely. So Harvard is subject to Title VI of the Civil Rights Act because it receives federal funding. Uh, so therefore, it's not allowed to discriminate on the basis of race. But in fact, it does discriminate, and it d discriminates primarily against Asian American students who Harvard considers overrepresented uh, at its university. So Asian Americans, on average, score higher in academic uh, metrics, score higher on extracurricular metrics. So Harvard has assigned a personal rating system that is supposedly uh, judging students based on positive personality, likability, and courage. And it assigns Asian Americans lower scores on that metrics to to in, to get the uh, university's preferred racial balance at the school, we think that's wrong. We think that leads to pernicious stereotyping, and that's particularly particularly what our civil rights laws prohibit. Folks, and again, we're very familiar when with the Harvard situation, just because it got so much, you know, press around here of you had these Asian students who were getting rejected by Harvard, and Harvard basically said, "Well, we have too many Asian students. We want a little more." you know, a diversity. So therefore, they, they were, in fact, biased. I'm less familiar with the, the North Carolina case. What can you tell us about that? So North Carolina case, it's a similar story where North Carolina is subject to the uh, to Civil Rights Act and also Equal Protection Clause because it's a public university. North Carolina has long considered uh, proportional representation uh, to be the, the demographics of the student body have to be similar to the demographics of the state as a whole. So if the student body's uh, percentages are lower than the, than the uh, population as a whole, then the university considers that group an un underrepresented group and gives racial preferences to increase the number of students at that group. But the interesting thing about the North Carolina case is that, uh, at least uh, the, as borne out by the record, a lot of the students would have gotten in, a lot of the same students would have gotten in with or without racial preferences. So racial preferences are, are extremely demeaning for an additional reason there in that it only helps out a limited number of students, but it really tarnishes the entire admissions process and even those who have gotten in, who would have gotten in without such preferences. When can you just touch on, before we let you go a little bit, tell us a little bit about when you testified before Congress on, on Asian discrimination? Absolutely. Uh, so uh, before Congress last March, I shared my story of, you know, uh, moving to this country from Beijing uh, as a seven year old and also about discrimination against Asian Americans uh, in K through 12 education that my colleagues and I are fighting all over the country, including in New York, Virginia and Maryland. You know, <clears throat> before I let you go, um, any idea it, it is refreshing. The Supreme Court will take it up. And when, as as someone that you know, we followed these stories, it 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 just doesn't, especially with Harvard, it it just doesn't seem. What, why would it be permissible for them to show blatant discrimination against Asian students? It just uh, it's so inherently unfair. 
It certainly is unfair. The Supreme Court in the earlier decision said that it was permissible to further some amorphous interest in diversity, but we think that uh, racial diversity should not be a permissible goal, and you should not racially discriminate in order to achieve a goal like diversity or anything else for that matter. The the university should treat people as individuals based on their individual aspirations, abilities, and achievements, and not on the basis of their membership in a racial group. Folks, again, he is Pacific Legal Foundation senior attorney, Wen Fa. Wen, uh, listen, we're closely going to watch this. Uh, thank you for everything you do, and thank you for joining us on the John DePietro Show. Absolutely. Thank you. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender banner, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best, and if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West Fountain Auto Body, 401 401- 272-3340, 401-272-3340, West Fountain Auto Body, located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired, 401-272-3340. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Joining us right now, he is Government Relations Communications Director for FEAR, and it's our friend R.J. Holman. And R.J., the uh, situation at the border, not only is it seemingly getting worse, but the uh, Biden administration, they they seem to be um, playing a little fast and loose with some of the numbers. Absolutely. They're, they're kind of, yeah, they're keeping them in their pocket. You know, they know that yeah, it's bad politically when the American people will see in the first calendar year. That President Biden has apprehended around 2 million illegal aliens down at the border, which is a number we've never seen before. And again, a lot of those people, they're not returned back to their home country under Title 42. A lot of them are released into the country and will never see them again. So the numbers that they actually just released uh, this week uh, for December, it was around 178,000 illegal aliens were apprehended in the month of December. That's more than the months of December in 2018, 2019, and 2020. So all three of those Decembers of prior years, you still don't reach the amount that were apprehended last month. So again, this is just a crisis that seems to be never ending. Uh, The Biden administration, you know, is acting like they're trying to address it, but all they care about is processing as many people as possible and having as many illegal aliens uh, come into our country and increase that population. So they'll eventually legalize them and cement political control for decades to come. So again, we hope the American people are paying attention, but sadly, you know, the border crisis and the numbers we're seeing, it's the new normal. Now, RJ, what should be alarming to individuals is this is normally, uh, you know, this is not the, if we want to call it like the busy season. If we're seeing these types of numbers now, what what does this mean for the spring and the summertime? You know, it's a good point you bring that up. I mean, when there was a, uh, you know, when the crisis initially started, I mean, I think it was, you know, when you look at the president's first 100 days in office, that 100-day marker, you know, that was in the spring. So they said, oh, we're at a crisis. The numbers are up because they always tick up in the spring once you leave the winter. And then they'll drop slightly or they'll drop overall in the summer. Well, they didn't drop in the summer. The numbers have almost plateaued at at a point that we've never seen before. So, yeah, if you're down there in in December, and you're seeing the numbers the same as the early fall or around the spring, that just shows, again, this is the new normal that will never end. And, yeah, there's a potential when you hit March or April that you're going to see a significant increase. And, again, the policies that the Biden administration has put in place are not really going anywhere. I mean, what they did is they pretended to restart the President Trump's extremely effective Remain in Mexico program, also known as MPP, because the court made them do so. But numbers just came out recently 
where they have only sent back around 300 migrants back to Mexico to await their immigration court proceedings. So under President Trump, there's pretty much every person that comes here who makes a, who's an economic migrant, they make their frivolous asylum claim. We then send them back to Mexico as they wait for the claim to be adjudicated. You know, now, again, they're pretending like the program was back in place, but everybody knows it isn't, both us and the smugglers who bring the migrants to the border. Folks, again, we're speaking with R.J. Harmon, who is uh, FEARS, Government Relations Communications Director. This is a, a crisis at the border. And you know what's interesting, R.J., is as uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president, you know, she's starting to make herself available. She was doing an interview with the Today Show. She's talking about Ukraine. Uh, you know, they're trying to talk about voting rights. It's um, it, is it like it, she's not even acknowledging that she's supposed to be in charge of solving this crisis at the border. Yeah, no, I mean, we've said that from the get-go. I mean, she was she complained that it was just another task that was dumped on her lap. But again, I mean, some of the stuff, the solutions that she's offered, so-called the root causes, I mean, the root causes of the crisis are all policies that they've issued or rescinded that are magnets for people coming up here. Of course, they know if you're going to be released into the country, you'll never be deported even if you don't show up to your court date. Of course, you're going to keep coming. But again, they keep offering these ridiculous solutions of throwing more money to these corrupt governments down in Central America or increasing, you know, working with private companies to increase manufacturing. I'm sorry, creating a factory with maybe 500, 1,000 jobs in El Salvador is not suddenly going to stop the crisis. Okay, we have policies that encourage them to come. And until those are reversed, rescinded or, or adjusted, you know, it's going to keep happening. But yeah, the other thing on the Biden administration, too, it's it's fascinating to see their infatuation with the concept of national security of national sovereignty and border security in an eastern european country but not uttering a similar word about our own the united states is a nation state we need secure borders our sovereignty is very important we have fentanyl coming up here through the border killing more american adults 18 to 45 than anything else so i think that's a bit more dangerous to the american people than russian troops right now so, again, I think they should focus on securing our border and reaffirming our sovereignty, again, rather than Ukraine. Folks, RJ, again, is with Federation for American Immigration Reform. The work they do is unending and just tremendous. The uh, website, by the way, is FEAR, F-A-I-R, FEARUS.org. It's RJ Harmon, who is the Government Relations Communications Director. RJ, great job as always, and we'll talk to you again. All right. Thank you, John. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Well, it is School Choice Week in Rhode Island. Joining us right now is School Choice Week President Andrew Campanella. And Andrew, this is uh, such an important week, and more and more people are really starting to gravitate towards and open their eyes to the possibilities and options of school choice. Thanks for having me, and they really are. And they are because families want what is best for their kids. They want learning environments where their students will learn, thrive, succeed, and be happy. And they know that what might be a good school for one student is not a good fit for another. So that's why during School Choice Week, we encourage families to look at their public school options, charter schools, magnet schools, private schools, online schools, and homeschooling. If you don't mind, Andrew, more and more people, because of the pandemic, seem to really have their eyes open to the choice of education. Uh, I've heard from so many different listeners that say they're no longer satisfied with the, quote, traditional public school experience for their children, and they're looking for other options. What we saw during the pandemic is families were motivated to look at their options and inspired to consider alternatives where they might not have done so before and they were inspired to do so for a variety of reasons whether it was the fact that every parent in america suddenly saw what their kids were learning or the fact that they were frustrated with disruptions to education schools closing going to crisis remote learning things like that families are looking around and they want to make sure that their kids actually are learning and looking at different options for that learning um, what families tell us, the 52% of parents who actually looked around for new and different schools for their kids last year, they said they wanted a higher quality education for their child. They wanted schools that taught kids critical thinking skills, prepared kids for success in the real world, and made sure that their daughters and sons mastered the basics like math, science, history, and reading. What is your message to some parents that are listening right now? Uh, they say that, 
you know, their child goes to, say, a traditional, quote, public school, but they see that their neighbor's child, while their child is home doing remote, quote, remote learning, uh, the private school never missed a beat. Those schools are open. The kids are in the school. Um, a lot of parents, as you said, they they find that the teacher is not even in the, the classroom. What What is your message to parents this week? So our main message to families this week is you have more options for your children's education than you may realize. And just in the past year, states have expanded school choice. Rhode Island is one of those states that has expanded options for families. So look around, look at traditional public schools, maybe outside of your zone or district if you're not happy. Look at public charter schools or theme-based magnet schools, focusing on things like math, science, technology, the performing arts. There are programs that make private school more affordable for families, scholarship programs, check into those. The online schools we talked about. And if you want to, consider homeschooling. There are more resources out there for homeschoolers than ever before. You know, we are not telling families that they should leave public education. Uh, in fact, most of the options out there are public. But we want families to make active choices for their kids because when they do, kids are more likely to succeed. Folks, again, we're speaking with Andrew Campanella. He's the president of School Choice Week. Andrew, what do you say to, there were some parents that say, well, I'm not sure I support the charter schools because they take money away from the traditional public schools. Here's what I'll say to that. Charter schools are public schools. And when we have robust school choice, meaning full open enrollment, allowing families to choose public schools outside of their zones or districts, public charter schools, more public magnet schools, the online public schools. By creating more options within the public education system, what will actually happen is we will attract more students into public education, and with those additional students, there will be greater funding. So school choice is actually one of the fastest ways to see funding increase for traditional public schools. They just have to open up those boundaries and let more kids in. Andrew, also, I think a lot of people have their eyes open to homeschooling because then they start to realize, I know of, uh, you know, one parent who's a listener that she has children just, I think it's two days a week, but the, the way the arrangement works, there's some other people in the neighborhood and they go to their schools. I guess, are those, what are, is that called like an organized, what do they call it, a pod where the parent doesn't have the child five days a week? Right. There are things now called learning pods where yeah. students learn together and they are taught by a parent or uh, a tutor or they take classes online together. And these learning pods really have been around for a long time. Lots of communities and families have done them, but they really became more popular during the pandemic because during the pandemic, when most schools went to emergency remote learning, families understandably were concerned that their kids would miss out on interacting with their friends and also miss out on a lot of learning. So they said, let's see what we can do to help these kids learn despite these challenging circumstances. And what we did at School Choice Week when this first happened is we put together the nation's first and I think only guide to how to create a learning pod. Because what families need to know is if you're going to do it, you got to make sure you don't run afoul of state laws in terms of the creation of a private school. If you have too many families participating in some cases, the state could come in and try to regulate it. Um, again, folks, this week with Andrew Campanella, President School Choice Week. And Andrew, also, I mentioned I was going to have you on. I received an interesting email. Uh, the parent's name is Lisa. And she said that her daughter, she's very unhappy with her daughter, goes to the traditional public school. She said she noticed her nephew who lives, I guess, not that far away, uh, her nephew attends a charter school, and she said it seems they start the day earlier, they seem to go to school more than her daughter goes. Um, do you hear that about parents learning more about charter schools that seem to have more intense learning? You know, the thing that makes charter schools a bit different from traditional public schools is they do have the freedom to be more innovative. They have to follow all of the state laws regarding public education, but they're allowed to be innovative in their practices, in their curriculum, and in their instructional methods. So the charter school that she's referring to might be a charter school that embraces a model of starting earlier or having longer classes or in some cases having year-round schooling without a summer break. There are charter schools that embrace all different models out there. And so what I want families to know is 
just because it is a specific type of school that you see something going on at doesn't mean that every other school is going to be the same. That's the benefit of choice. You can find an option that meets your child's interests, needs, and talents, and what you want as a family for your child. That's the most important thing in this process, is finding a good fit. Folks, again, it's natural, uh, National School Choice Week here in Rhode Island. Andrew, what's the website that parents could log on to learn more? Sure, it's schoolchoiceweek.com. Folks, again, he is President Andrew Campanella. Andrew, excellent job. Congratulations, by the way. I've always had you guys on, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. More parents are engaged. It's all better. It's all about the education for the children. Uh, lots of luck this week. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Brothers Disposal. Call Brothers Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brothers Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate. 401-688-0517. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're cleaning out your basement, your garage, unwanted belongings. Maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out. Clean it out with Brothers Disposal. They're also now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother Roland today at Brothers Disposal. 401 401- 688-0517. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brothers Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. Look for them on Facebook, Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway, 401-688-0517. Stop in and see my friends at End Zone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland, Football playoffs are here. It's a great crowd. Surround sound. Stop in. See Dana and everyone. It's always a friendly, enthusiastic crowd at Endzone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Bring some friends. Make some new ones. I'll see you. Endzone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380. 99.9 FM. Folks, remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipetro.com. Check out the website, dipetro.com. We have original, unique, exclusive stories, videos, content, all our links to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. It's all right there. And that's also the best way to reach me. Log on at the website, depetro.com, dipetro.com. Well, health continues to be an important part of our daily lives. That's why you need to stop in and see the queen of health. It's Maria. It's my health because it's your health. But it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Look for her on Facebook. You can also call her at 401-305-3585. You know where she is, right in that very majestic old white church diagonally across from Davidport Restaurant. It's my health. And inside, pop in. You'll see vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like acai, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Wait till you see the selection. Over 250 bulk herbs, teas, spices purchased by the ounce plus boxed herbs and teas plus hemp and CBD products. Stop in natural skincare products, hair care products. It's my health, because it's your health. Stop it and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Well, as we've talked about, it's been tremendous amount of violence towards police officers. Two New York City police officers shot on Friday night. Another uh, officer in Houston shot over the weekend. Joining us right now is Lance LaRusso, former law enforcement officer and also an attorney. And uh, Lance, th- this has been a, uh, a trying and a terrible start for the new year with the amount of attacks on police officers. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, and it's a continuation of what was happening last year. Ambushes on law enforcement were up 115% in 2021. We had about 346 officers shot in 2021, and those numbers on 2020 were even high. Right now, what do you think, I mean, these numbers we, we had, as you mentioned, you know, last year, crime is rampant. What is happening, uh, and is there a pattern with these individuals that are, are directly shooting police? So it, 
Whether there's a pattern or not is a really interesting question. And when we talk about patterns, just hold that for a second, because the entire crime analysis process has been called into question as being biased. But what I think you're hap- what I think is happening is there are people in society, and some folks don't want to believe they exist, there are people in society who will prey on weaker people. They will seek out opportunities to steal and assault people who are not able to defend themselves or who don't have the resources to defend themselves. And when law enforcement is downsized, when law enforcement is discouraged from doing their jobs, when law enforcement is penalized for doing their jobs, the people who are victims are going to be victims more often. What has been, um, you know, I I saw on social media, uh, Geraldo Rivera of Fox, who's in New York City, he said that it's time to return to stop and frisk. I'm just curious, Lance, if there's certain policies that because of uh, progressive pressure, you know, that they have scaled back on, but some things that could could maybe aid in this. Oh, there's no doubt. In the stop and frisk policies, you know, I'm sure that there were people who were aggrieved and they had an ability to bring those claims to a court. But the stop and frisk litigation was fraught with problems. There was a lot of issues. Uh, Heather McDonald with the Manhattan Institute has, has documented a lot of this. There were a lot of problems with that litigation in the cases that they brought forward. But the stop and frisk philosophy the, that's well settled in United States Supreme Court jurisprudence from 1963 it leads to, to an officer to have the ability to frisk somebody if they believe they're involved in criminal activity and they believe that they may be armed. And that is basically what has been used in a lot of jurisdictions to um, keep people from committing crimes before they happen. You know, and, and this is where you have somebody that an officer knows is a convicted felon. The person is constantly adjusting their waistband. And we know that they have a reputation for carrying firearms. It's the officer being able to go up and pat them down and remove the firearm from them and make the arrest before they wind up shooting somebody with the gun. Folks, again, we're speaking with Lance LaRusso, who is a former law enforcement officer, also an attorney that represents police officers. Lance, I would would you also say, you know, last week we saw the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, he apologized, it's kind of comical, he apologized for using the word gang. Um, we saw that locally, the mayor of Providence, he instructed all police, they're no longer supposed to use the word gangs, they're supposed to say just groups of individuals. But as a result of that, gang violence has absolutely spiked. Well, it shouldn't surprise you. I mean, it's a four-letter word, but it's one you should use quite often when you're talking about law enforcement and crime. And the bottom line, when we look at these crimes, when we look at the rampant property crimes in communities, people breaking into cars, when we look at petty thefts, when we look at this organizing shoplifting, when we look at murders and armed robberies, those crimes overwhelmingly throughout the United States are gang-related. And what's really interesting, instead of trying to attack the fact that gangs are recruiting sixth graders and ruining their lives, mostly children of color, ruining their lives. Instead of attacking that, they're saying we're just going to put our heads in the sand and pretend it doesn't exist and sanction the officers who are recognizing and trying to deal with the problem. Lance, I'm just curious if you also feel there's an effect with, uh, you know, all of the protests, the anti-police. I've attended, you know, some of these uh, defund the police rallies, anti-law enforcement Cops are just killers, uh, high-profile cases of various officers on trial. I'm just wondering if you think that has an, a, a trickle-down effect that in, in some of the criminals, the very dangerous people's minds, it, it almost justifies for them that what they're doing is, is you know, a just cause. You know, whether the rhetoric justifies it, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's just taking advantage of the opportunity. The defund the police movement is the fastest conceived, implemented, and failed U.S. policy in history. And, and it's failing every day. And law enforcement knew it was going to fail. Law enforcement knew that the people that were going to be victimized and, and be, be more exposed to being victims of crime in a defund the police environment was not going to be the people that were hiding behind metal, metal detectors and gated communities and, and armed guards when they went to work. It was going to be people in poor communities who relied on the police to keep them safe. And what about, um, do you think that it is a lot of the politicians and some of the the attitude in laws being enacted, that that's what's causing this spike in, uh, in high crime? It's certainly empowering people who are bent on being criminals and victimizing people. And when we look 20 years from now, we will see those trends. 
but even the people that see now that their efforts were incorrect, and, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, ignorant and misguided, they don't want to admit they're wrong. And the more they don't admit they're wrong, the worse problem we're going to have. So if you look at what uh, you said the governor of uh, California said, we're not allowed to use the word gangs. Okay, well, this is the same state that is breaking up gang databases because they're biased. Well, what's their solution? The reason they're coming after law enforcement and the reason they're trying to use all this rhetoric in the media is they are afraid to tackle the really difficult problems. Hmm. They don't want to tackle the fact that in communities where people are poor and struggling, we have kids having their their youth and their lives stolen by being recruited into gangs. What do you make of the situation in New York City? You have a new mayor there. He ran on being a former police officer, said he was going to restore law and order to the streets and make the streets safe again. And I'll tell you, it's been a it's been a disastrous first month for Mayor Adams. Yeah, I think that people saw in him um, an opportunity to have somebody who really understood law enforcement. Now, I think that, like you said, the jury's still out. It's, it's very early in his administration. But people saw, all right, well, maybe we got somebody who understands both sides of the equation, somebody who really understands law enforcement. But I think the problem for people in New York City is it's going to take years to turn around what four or eight years of this nonsense has started. Yeah. You know, the individual that murdered the New York City police officer and oh. shot another is a dangerous individual who has got to be taken off the streets. Oh. And until he is taken off the streets, the community is in danger, not the NYPD. Yep. The community is in danger. That's right. Folks, again, he is Lance LaRusso, former law enforcement officer, also an attorney. Lance, great job. I wish the uh, topic was better. But uh, it sounds like we're going to be talking to you quite a bit over the course of the year. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks so much for having me. ...into Brood Awakenings and discovered the Brood difference. Two locations in Johnston, also in Cranston, Pontiac Avenue, and then also Bald Hill Road in Warwick. Brood Awakenings, they're local, fresh ingredients, cozy environment, great comfortable chairs, delic delicious breakfast sandwiches, lunch, great drinks and coffee, and plenty of room to spread out and meet people. I'll see you, and you'll discover the brood difference at Brood Awakenings. The John DePietro Show brought to you by Realtor Pat Elston. Call Pat today, 401-474-5253. There's a link right directly to her on the website, dipietro.com. Caldwell Banker Realty, based in Cumberland, 20 years experience, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Pat services all of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Contact Pat Elston today, 401-474-5253, and you can find her right on the website, dipetro.com. Portion of the program brought to you by the Coesed Inn. Check them out on the website, dipetro.com, the Coesed Inn, or Rhode Island tradition since 1977, located 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge, whether a nice dinner or even just appetizers. There's always a great crowd. You can link directly to them, and gift certificates are available. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick.